0: So good to have you this morning. If you're online with us, we're glad you're here. For those in the room with us, um, I feel like I should say something about the screens too. Um, We brought in our best and brightest technology expert to fix it this morning. John Newman hit it with a stick a couple times. (laughs) And nothing happened. So um, hopefully we'll get that this week. Um, Just a reminder, we're still in the process of signing up for groups. Today is the last day to get signed up. So make sure you do. We would love for you to be a part of a group to be connected. Um, because that's what this, this series is really about, is, is we talk about these sacred rhythms. A rhythm, um, just plain and simply, is a strong, repeated pattern, or a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. And, and these rhythms in our life are so important for us as followers of Jesus. Because these rhythms, as we talk about um, reading and being just immersed in the Word and prayer, um, today we're going to talk about gathering. The importance of those in our life is shaping and forming us as followers of Jesus is incredibly, incredibly important. And, And when we talk about gathering, most of the time our first assumption is, okay, we need to come to church. And I think that's what I grew up with, this this mindset of, I need to go to church. And the reason I thought that I needed to be at church is because I thought being here, physically in this location, in this place, whether it's here or somewhere else, that is what made God pleased with me. It's what made God love me. And there were times that I would miss or I would forget, especially in college, that, that I would miss. And I remember having this guilt, this immense guilt of, I know I've got to do something to make it up so that God will be pleased. And my guess is a lot of you probably grew up with that perception. This is what I need to do so that God will be pleased with me. And wonder, wonder if at times we maybe missed the point of gathering, the point of being together. When I was in kindergarten, Williams Elementary School, Garland, Texas, um, I had a great, great group of friends, and every day at lunch, and this is one of those stories I don't know why I remember, but I remember it like it was yesterday. We had our lunch boxes, and um, your lunch box in kindergarten at that point represented your favorite cartoon. Sh- okay, mine was He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. By the power of Grayskull, I have the power. Anyone? Any He-Man fans? Yes? Yes? And so every day I would watch He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and I loved it and our conversation at the lunch table most of the time revolves something around the cartoons that we watched. And so every day I would watch G.I. Joe and I would watch He-Man. And then also something was happening back in the 80's um, I was a huge baseball fan and I didn't care who I watched and something happened almost every single afternoon the Chicago Cubs played. And they played day games. And so I would come home and I would watch G.I. Joe and I would watch He-Man and I would watch the Cubs. And there was this one day at lunch, we're sitting around the lunch table and we're talking and all my friends start talking about a show that I didn't watch. Because I usually watch the Cubs, and it was Inspector Gadget. Okay. Y'all remember? They, they're talking about. Did you see yesterday where Inspector Gadget this helicopter comes out of his hat and da 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 da. And all of a sudden, I felt so secluded because I wasn't able to be a part of the conversation. And I wanted so badly to be a part of the conversation that I just started making stuff up <laughs> so that I fit in with the group. I had no idea of what all Inspector Gadget could do. But by my imagination, he could do a lot. Because I wanted to be part of something. And I think there's a really important principle in it is we all have a tendency to navigate towards belonging. We all have a tendency to navigate towards belonging. Wanting to be part of something bigger than just ourselves. You know, as God creates humanity and He places them in the garden, the very first thing He says about man, really, after saying it is good, is... It's not good for you to be alone. And we always think about that in the context of marriage, but I think it's far, far more reaching. The, the idea you are not meant to be alone. You're not supposed to live this life by yourself. You weren't created for that. And so in this garden where they are in communion with God, they're also in communion with one another. And things are good. But as that's broken, and people begin this journey navigating eastward away from the presence of God. We've talked about that a lot. Eastward away from the presence of God. They begin to form this collection of people that really culminates in chapter 11 of Genesis with the Tower of Babel, where this group comes together and they said. Let's do something amazing so that we can make a name for ourselves. So that we can be a part of something. And really it sets them on this trajectory away from the presence of God where they're trying to create their own world apart from God. Where really they are the God, they are the king of their own world. And it leads them to a place called Egypt where they're slaves And God rescues them out of slavery. He redeems them. He pulls them out of slavery. And the very first thing he does is he says, Hey, we're going to go up on a mountain and we're going to talk, Moses. Because I want to form a people who are going to look like me and represent me to this world. And so Moses gathers all the people and says, Hey, I'm going to go up on the mountain. I'm going to talk to God. And he's going to give us some laws and some things that we can follow so that we look more like his people. And the people say, well, we'll do everything God says. We, we got it. And so Moses goes up on the mountain. He meets with God. And he comes down. And he gathers all the people around. And he starts reading to them this law that God has given them. And I want you to listen once again to what the people say. He took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. And they responded, we will do everything The Lord has said, we will obey. We'll do everything God has told us. And of course we know. They struggle. They struggle to do everything God has told them. And the very next thing he does is he brings Moses back up on the mountain. And he says, I want to talk about what I'm going to call a tabernacle. And it simply means a dwelling place. I want to talk about a place where you as the people of God can come together and collectively turn your hearts, your mind, and your soul towards me. So that you can be formed more and more in my image. And for centuries... The tabernacle and then the temple became the place where the people of God gathered together, not just simply to worship God, but collectively as the people of God to worship God. That we would come together for the purpose of encouraging one another and lifting one another up and sharing in one another's burdens and something powerful would happen in this gathering. And it would help us remember who we are. It would help us remember, it would remind us of what we're really about in this world. It would remind us of what we're supposed to look like to everyone else. And here's the thing, we know right from the start that even though they say, we're going to do this, they're going to struggle. In fact, Moses comes down the mountain to find the people who have already gone off on their own once again and created a golden calf. And started to worship. And and this is kind of a side note. I I was reading this last week um, as we're reading through the the Bible in a year this year together in Exodus 32, and you know, where they go and they start worshiping the golden calf. But something struck me that, that I'd missed before because I've always been so hard on the people for just kind of turning their back on God there. But back when Moses goes up on the mountain, it says he's up on the mountain for six days. And then on the seventh day, he enters into this cloud, and this cloud looks like a consuming fire. And he's there for 40 days. And, and I've always just said, well, how can the people give up? I think they thought Moses burned up. Uh, he, he walked into this what looked like a consuming fire. He's not there. But it, but it reminds us of how easy it is for us as the people of God To get caught up in everything else going on around us. And to lose sight of the thing that's the most important. And so the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage a group of people who's really struggling to continue to follow Jesus because of the world around them that they find themselves in. And I want you to listen to what he says to them. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I want you to come together and continue to come together so that you can remind one another when things get difficult, that God is faithful and that he keeps his promises to his people and that you can encourage one another, you can lift one another up, you can carry one another's burdens, you can pray for one another when you come together. Don't forget that. And it doesn't mean you need to come together just here. But that that would be the hope that you would continue to gather throughout the week in your homes, that you would have a community of people that push you more and more to become like Jesus. That There's this transformation that happens when we gather as the people of God. Well, in just a few moments, we're going to take communion. So if you wanted to go ahead and grab one of the cups. But we go back to the question real quickly from Hebrews. Why is it so important to continue to gather? Because my perception of church when I was growing up is, oh, I need to do this so that God will be pleased with me, so that God will love me, so that God won't be angry at me, wasn't the reason the writer tells these people struggling to endure in their faith to continue to gather. It wasn't because they needed to do it to be right with God or God needed it from them. It was they needed to do it to be reminded collectively as the people of God what our life is about. That we are loved, and maybe, maybe you've grown up your entire life thinking you need to, to strive and work really hard to make God love you more. And let me just tell you, God is crazy about you. He loves you unconditionally, so much so that He gave His Son for you to chase after you, to come and find you when you didn't want to be found. His love is so far-stretching and so full of His immense grace that we need to do this. We need to gather so that we're formed more and more each time we come together in His grace. We need this for one another. And the thing is that the person next to you might need you today to be Jesus for them. I get so tired. At times we'll say, hey, I'm praying for you. I would love to have a church where we don't tell anyone that we're praying for them but that we stop what we're doing right then and there and just pray over them and pray for them. I would love to see people gathered with their arms around one another all over this place. Maybe you have to miss class one day because you're praying for someone, you're ministering to someone. That is why we gather. That is the reason. It's not to come and learn and learn. Yes, that's good. You need to do that. But we come together to embody the body of Christ, the life of Christ for one another. And maybe one of the most powerful things that Jesus says in all his ministry is he's getting, getting ready to leave his disciples behind. He says to them, it's better that I go away. It's better that I go away so that I can send my helper to you, that my helper, the Spirit of God, is going to live inside of you and empower you. And for me, I've always really struggled with that because I think it would be a lot better to have Jesus beside me I would love to be in really difficult situations, stressful times, and be able to turn. Jesus is right there and I can talk to Him. But what He says is not, I'm going to stay right beside you for the rest, but it's Christ inside of you, not beside you. Christ inside of you, not beside you. And I gotta tell you, I do, I struggle with that. Because I would rather have Jesus right here by my side. Should I do this? Should I go this direction? What should I say? How should I respond? I don't wanna respond like you would right now. How should I respond? It would help a lot more if Jesus was right there. But here's the beauty of coming together as the people of God as we gather collectively, it's not just the Spirit of Christ inside of you but it's the Spirit of Christ inside of you and beside you. Because each person that's sitting here in this space today, each person who's given their life to Christ is filled with his Spirit. And so the beauty of gathering is not that you're in this on your own with Christ's Spirit within you, It's that Christ's Spirit is within you and right beside you. And that He has empowered us to represent Him in this world. The hope is that as people encounter you, they would know what God is like. And let me tell you, that does not happen on your own. It happens through the body of Christ. And for years we've had this perception that we, we come together for worship and then we scatter and we go off on mission together. But the truth of it is we gather for worship, but we also gather to go out on mission Because the power that we have outside of these walls, the ability to influence, the ability to represent Christ is something that this world needs so badly. With all the divisions and all the things that are going on, it needs Jesus. And it needs the people of Jesus to look more and more like Him. And if, it, if these rhythms, if these sacred rhythms are not a part of your life, then there is no way that you will embody Christ in this world. It's not that we do those sacred rhythms so that God will be pleased. It's so that we will be formed and we will look more and more like Jesus as we sit in His Word, as we pray and relate to Him, as we spend time in solitude and silence and Sabbath rest, as we gather together as the people of God. Because the beauty of gathering, listen, it's not the seating capacity in here that matters. It is our sending capacity, not our seating capacity, that will have the biggest impact on the kingdom of God. It is our sending capacity that will have the biggest impact on the kingdom. And it starts here. It starts as the people of God gather and our hearts are turned towards God. As we remember and are formed and shaped by Him. So, as we've talked about in this series, part of the rhythms is helping us to be in communion with God and with one another. And truly, that is what this time represents. It's not just you being with God, but it's you being with the people of God together collectively. And so today, as we we take communion I'm going to give you just a few moments to think. One of the things the Hebrew writer encourages the people to do is remember his faithfulness. Remember how he has been faithful. And so for just the next few moments as you sit, I want you to think about one way where God has shown his faithfulness to you in the past year. Maybe you've been going through some really difficult times and God has continued to show up through other people. Maybe you've had everything going good and and God's joy has just been overflowing in your life. Maybe you've been dealing with some things with your children. I don't know what it is for you, but my guess is over the past year you can think of a way that God has been faithful. And so I'm going to give you just a few moments to think how has God shown his faithfulness to you? And then we're going to pray for the bread. Father, you are faithful. And we are reminded as we gather of your faithfulness to us. This bread, this cup, they represent a God who is faithful. Who is faithful to follow his people and go to whatever extent is necessary to bring them out of the pit. To lift them up and set them on solid ground. And Father, we are grateful. And so Father, today as we take this this bread, we pray that it would be a reminder to us of your faithfulness. Of your love that went to a cross To redeem and save. We thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And as we prepare to take the cup, I'm going to give you just a moment, but I want you to share what God has done and how He has shown His faithfulness with someone sitting around you. As I said, this is about a time that we come together as the people of God to encourage and lift one another up. And the point of doing this is a meal that we collectively take together. And so, the reason in doing this is because sometimes it is so powerful to hear how God has been faithful in blessing someone else's life. And to hear stories of what He is doing in this world. Because it's so easy for our world to become about us right here and lose sight of everything else going on around us. And so I'm going to give you just a few moments, and I just want you to share with someone sitting around you, how has God been faithful in this past year? What has He done to bless you? And then we're going to pray for the cup. My guess is for some of you that feels a little uncomfortable because that's not how we've always done communion. But the point of communion was to commune with God and with one another. Because when Jesus first did this, He was sitting around the table with His disciples. And he was sharing this vision of the kingdom. In some small way, that's what we're doing right now. Sharing a vision of God's kingdom here on earth. And that is our prayer. That we, the people of God, would bring his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. And so let's pray for this cup. Father, it is so good to hear stories of Your faithfulness, hear stories of Your love. Because, Father, I'll be honest, there are times that we struggle. There are times that we doubt. There are times that we probably take this cup wondering if that promise is still true. But, Father, it is the people in this room that we gather with, that are some of the greatest reminders of your faithfulness and love. And so, Father, today as we take this cup, we are thankful, we are grateful for what you have done and for the ways that you have blessed us, the ways that you have spoken to us, and the ways that you use us to be a part of a bigger story. We thank You. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we conclude this morning, um, we're going to have our shepherds and their spouses around the back of the auditorium. If we could surround you and pray for you or help you if you've never given your life to Christ and would love to talk to someone about that, if there's anything we can do to help you as you follow Jesus, we would love to do that while we stand and sing.